Hi, this is Kirk Reed. Bear with me as we need a little compliance disclosure. In our practice, we give financial advice to our clients. We know their financial situation in detail before doing so. That's generally not the case with callers we speak with on the show. We can't give truly meaningful financial advice because we don't know the detailed financial situation of the caller. After all, we just met. Any suggestions we make to callers are generic in nature and meant to steer a caller in the right direction. Callers should check with their own financial professionals before implementing any suggestions that we may make. At times on this show, we talk about investments and investment performance. Investment returns are not guaranteed and past performance does not guarantee future results. So my guest this morning is Lara Shea, who I've known for a long time. This is, and we'll touch on this goes back to when you were working in Marshfield, I think, right? Yes, yes it um, does. But our show this morning, we're going to be talking this morning about aging in place. I thought we would just kind of start, you know, start there and talk about that movement. We were just saying how it's really a movement and um, and and get into specifics about. Um, Continuing care retirement communities. We're going to spend some time on that today. Lara is the CEO of a continuing care retirement community up in Peterborough, New Hampshire. Um, Rivermead, correct? Is it Rivermead yes. Life Care? It is Rivermead Retirement Community. Rivermead Retirement Community in Peterborough, uh, Peterborough New Hampshire. You got it. Um, and Lara runs that sh- the ship up there and um, has been in the industry for. A long time? Yeah. 10, 20 years? 27 years? Yeah, and, ever since high school. Oh, my goodness. Um, so, Lara is an, I'm going to call you an expert in all things CCRCs or um, uh, the, I don't know, all things regarding um, elders and aging and receiving care and where to receive care and all that stuff. Huge. Um, Hugely important topic for families um, and adult children that are helping parents or family members through this stuff. Um, I know a lot of clients that are going through it, have gone through it, will go through it. So I think it's great that um, we can get some information out there on this topic. So again, thank you so much. My uh, my guest today is Lara Shea, CEO of Rivermead Retirement Communities. And um, we're going to talk about all things aging today, I guess. so thanks again for joining me. Yeah, and thank you for calling me an expert. Ah, well, I'm assuming you are. <laughs> Most of our discussions are about other things, but I'm assuming you are. Um, do you want to just, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but do you want to yeah. just take a few minutes and give us a little bit of a background about you and your professional experience? Yeah, absolutely. And thank you so much for having me on and for recognizing this very important topic. Um because it's one that, um, you know, I don't think we talk about often enough um, and really candidly. And there's a lot of complicated pieces for finances and for families and for our society. So I'm really always thrilled to be, um, to share anything that I can on on the experience. So I started in this industry just kind of by chance. when I was 15, a neighbor of mine was running a small assisted living down the road from me, and she asked oh. if I wanted to do dishes. And I oh. thought, yeah, I'll do dishes. I mean, that would be great, great first job. Yeah, uh, It was a little harder back then to find entry-level jobs um, for high school kids, so it was a great start. And uh, the, I actually had always thought I wanted to work um, and be a teacher and work with um, children. But I started that job, and I just ended up really liking working with seniors. And so when I uh, went to college, so I stayed there through high school. I worked in um, uh, two different communities here in Peterborough. Ironically, okay. one of them was Rivermead. Oh, so no I way. Be, oh, you started yeah. there and you're, well, there now. Who knows if you'll end I'm there. I'm back but, there yeah. now. So I started yeah. as a server in the dining room, and I came oh. back 25 years later um, as the CEO, which was a, a nice Good for you. full circle moment in my life. But we'll get to that. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, then I did activities in college um, in nursing homes. Um, and then I went on to um, get my graduate degree in elder care administration from LaSalle College in Newton. Um, and it, I knew I wanted to be in healthcare at that point. I didn't want to mm-hmm. be a teacher any longer or, you know, go down that path. But, um, you know, you really need a graduate degree to get more into the administrative side of it. So I went and pursued that. And um, with the goal of eventually, um, you know, getting to run communities like ours, assisted livings, uh, CCRCs. Um, So from there, I went into um, admissions, um, became a memory care director, then became an assistant assistant executive director before becoming a CEO. So it's been kind of a path from uh, culinary through, um, you know, kind of different levels to get to the top. But it's been, for me, um, you know, about 27 uh, wonderful years of uh, serving seniors and um, all different areas. So um, assisted livings, uh, nursing homes, independent living, um, getting to spend a lot of time um, uh, traveling around, seeing other communities. Uh, working with great peers in the industry, and we can talk about that a little bit, our uh, group networking groups that we have to support okay. each other. What I like about the industry is it's pretty non-competitive, um, you know, from building to building. Um, we're always kind of supporting each other mm. to make sure our seniors have what they need and never saw that more than during COVID, um, how supportive communities were to one another to make sure everyone was okay through the pandemic. Wow. So yeah, it's an interesting topic, and I'm sure we could go on for you know, days, we're gonna, uh, not just two hours. So I'm excited to be here with yeah, you. Yeah, good, thank you. Well, we're gonna have to go on for at least two hours. So, or an hour and 48 minutes at this point. Um, it's interesting you said that about you started as a dishwasher. I started as a dishwasher too, my first job. Maybe everybody starts as a dishwasher when they're 14 or 15. <laughs> I was not in the medical field or a medical facility. I was in a restaurant, but um, uh, but yeah, that's funny. My sister-in-law, I don't know. I don't know that. So, you know, my brother, Justin works with me, right? He's an advisor you also. Do. Have you met Justin? I don't know if you've met him. No, I actually haven't. Okay. Anyway, normally he hosts the show with me, but he's slacking off this weekend. They had a vacation. So I was like, that's fine. I have Lara. I will be fine. But, um, anyway, his wife, um, Suzanne, my sister-in-law, she's an elder care manager. And she starts, she runs her own business now and um, she's done that for a long time, but she, and she's been on the show before too, talking about similar issues and um, her, her, you know, more focusing on the care management aspect of what she does. But she started out in high school too, in a, I believe it was in a nursing home. And um, I don't, I don't think she knew she wanted to do that. She just kind of started out in high school and that was a job. And and I don't know if it was dishwashing or whatever, but that's how she got it, got her start too in elder care and just found that she really loved working with the older population and, and, you know, helping. And and that's how she found her career path as well. But, um, in like high school internships are in, uh, you know, I'll digress for a moment. Um, internships, um, just so incredibly important. I'm, I'm part of the Marshfield Chamber of Commerce and they, um, they cooperate with the Marshfield High School and regarding their internship program. And we just get such great um, feedback regarding it and how important it is for kids to um, have experiences and, and help them find their way um, in life. Because without those experiences, how do people really know, right? Oh, anyway, it's I so digress. true. And yeah. it's a really difficult industry to attract people to because, um, you know, it's it's for a lot of young people, the only experience they have is maybe visiting a grandparent. Yeah. Um, but otherwise, you know, senior living is 
not really um, yeah. seen as a career path. You like don't even know it exists. Right. Um, and I would think we might actually be able to attract more young people to it if they just knew it existed. But when anyone young thinks they want to get into the health field, they're like, oh, I want to be a doctor or a nurse. Yeah. They're both wonderful careers, um, but it's so much more expansive than that. Um, so at Rivermead, we've um, reinvigorated our um, internship program because, you know, during the pandemic, like most things, it fell off. Yeah. Um, and so trying to get um, some young folks to come and join us. We do still have high school students who work with us in the dining room, which really helps expose them at a young age. And I'm also teaching a class at Franklin Pierce College, which is in Ringe, New Hampshire. Mm -hmm. Excuse me, Franklin Pierce University um, in uh -huh. Ringe, New Hampshire. Yeah. And um, so as part of my class, it, it's about healthcare administration much more broadly, but I do always spend a little bit of time on senior living. And then um, I've had just my first two students come and join uh, for an internship just this summer. Um, and the, you know, they're, they're blown away by um, how many career opportunities are in the field. And we'll just spend a minute on career opportunities. Yeah. But of course there are, are nurses and there's administrators like me, um, but we have culinary because we serve amazing food. Um, so there's culinary, there's facilities, activities, finance, marketing, um, so all these uh, PT, OT, oh, yeah. physical and occupational therapy, there's all these different ways that you can contribute to seniors within one of these communities. And um, so it's quite a career path. And uh, for folks who are looking for a career where you can contribute a lot to people's life experience and it's very rewarding, it's also one with amazing career growth. Um, so mm. you just look at my trajectory. And again, like I said, that was only over a 27 year span. Um, and I've been a CEO now for, this is my seventh year. Um, you know, I was a CEO before I was 40. Um, and it's because there's not a lot of people in the industry. Oh, and it's not to say I wasn't qualified, but it's to say that yeah. people get elevated quickly because there's not a lot of us. So if you're looking for a great career, if there's anyone out in Radio Land who's just looking for a great <laughs> career and yeah. it's really rewarding work, it it is rewarding and there's lots of growth. And it's as baby boomers continue to join us which I, I know will be a part of today's conversation is the industry is growing in very dynamic ways. Um, and sometimes it's seen as a opportunity that might feel a little scary or intimidating, but I promise it's not. It's, it's just such a, a wonderful thing to be a part of. Um, I'm glad you were talking about that. I remember and brought up the fact that it's not a, I don't know, popular or widely recognized career path in terms of um, caring for the aging population. Um, my, I remember in some of the conversations we've had on the air with my sister-in-law, she was saying, um, she works with a lot of home health care agencies and um, a lot of people that provide, uh, you know, home health aids and things like that. And she was saying that um, I think most of the home health care workers, like the home health aides, not the nurses, but the home health aides, I want to say she said that most of them are not um, like they're immigrants. They're, there's not very many from this country, but like it's a great um, career path for people that come into the country from, from other countries. And I don't know if that maybe that sort of aligns with what you're saying in terms of maybe there's not a lot of people going into that um, career 
from the states. It's just not as well recognized yet anyway. But what a booming, I mean, we're going to talk about this in terms of the the, the booming industry, right? Because Largely because of the baby boomers and, yep. um, you know, of course, advances in medical technology and people living longer and all these things, right, are contributing to um, the, the booming industry that is elder care. Um, um, but interesting. Oh my gosh, we could talk for days about this. Days. this is, I, there's, there's no way we're going to run on a content for this morning's show. No, no, no. <laughs> we could go on for a while. But yeah. I'll touch on immigrants for a second because yeah. it's such an interesting point. And you know, for our country, this is something that um, you know, at different phases, we've had different conversations about as a country. But it's, it's very similar to other lines of work, like say farming work, where mm. it was harder and harder to find Americans who wanted to do it. And it gives immigrants such a nice opportunity to come into uh, to come to our country and to be able, it's, it's a win-win. It's great for us and it's great for them. Yeah. And healthcare is that kind of new frontier of where it's harder to find a, a, a enough Americans who want to um, give physical care. And it's a lot of work. It's, yeah. it's, it's tiring work. Um, sometimes it can feel very thankless because there's so much of it, even though I will say the patient you're giving care to or the resident, like we call them in buildings, are very grateful for the care. It's a lot of work and it's very personal care, uh, you know, between showering and incontinence needs and helping people dress and feeding people. Um, and so as we have more and more baby boomers who need this care, but we have less and less um, Americans who want to give this type mm. of care. Immigration is a great solution. Mm. And um, it's one that with even basic um, English as, a, as a, even a second language, um, you can still really contribute wonderfully to um, you know, helping people experience aging much better. So I'm very pro-immigration um, for this um, uh, line of work, for really any line of work. I just think that it's a, a really a win-win for everybody. And as we look at, um, you know, it's hard to find workers today. It's going to be even harder tomorrow as more baby boomers need mm. care. So I think that should be a part of our national conversation. Um, and it, it really will serve us well. And I was, um, I agree with you. And I was reading an article recently regarding um, college enrollments. And I think these tie in, right? And so, you know, of course, because of COVID, but also potentially because of the, the, the crazy rising cost of higher education that we've seen in the last several decades, right? Um, I was just reading an article about how college enrollments are down. I don't know, t depending on the state, I think it was 10 to 15% versus, I don't know, it was probably 2019. Like this was definitely pre-COVID. This is, this is uh, the part of the article was uh, pointing out the fact that, well, it's really, you know, related to COVID as well and enrollments dropped because of that. But I think, and I'm not sure what will happen with the upcoming, um, with, I don't know if we have the statistics yet for this year, but anyway, college enrollments are down. Um, largely because of COVID, but I think also because of the cost, and our, and maybe people are are have have always have have largely been second guessing the um, the cost value you know relationship regarding higher education, depending on uh, career path, right? Um, but I I just my I guess my point is you know the, there are many fields in or many occupations in the field of elder care, right? Like home health aides, for example. Correct me if I'm wrong, where you don't need a college, a four-year college degree, right? There, I know there's like certificate programs or, or whatever. Um, and I just, I, I, I maybe, you know, I, I think there are some silver linings for, uh, that, that have come to fruition because of COVID-19. And, and maybe this is one of them that there are, um, you know, 
people might be spending or there might be certain not that a college degree isn't very worthwhile for very many people but not all careers require it and i think it's nice for people to recognize that and not spend a quarter million dollars on a degree that this person you know the the student doesn't need or doesn't end up using or you know what i mean i think it's i guess my point is i just think it's nice for people to really examine um cost versus value when it comes to higher education and and i think it's nice for people to know, you know, parents that are helping their kids through this, right? To know that there are a lot of respectable career paths that that kids can choose that don't require a four-year college degree. And I think this ties well into our conversation because there's a lot of career paths, right? In elder care where, where you don't need that college degree. Yeah, I mean, it's such an excellent point is there's professional opportunities that you can get um, right out of high school um, where you don't need a, you know, a college degree, but you can still go on and get additional training and be very successful in the field. So I'll give um, the example of um, uh, CNAs. We, we're the oh, one yeah. state, New Hampshire calls them LNAs. So oh, okay. CNAs but in mass, they're CNAs. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. CNAs for 49 other states. But for, you know, you can come out of high school and actually we even have a, a lower level now. And this is something that had started right before the, the uh, pandemic. We like to use acronyms in healthcare. So I'll say them, but then I'll explain them. In so. finance too. We use a lot of those. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so we call PCAs, which is personal care assistant. Okay. And that is unlicensed. And you can get your start in a retirement community of any sort, you know, uh, independent assisted nursing home. And you're just there to assist. You're not providing you know, any kind of medical care, but it's social, it's transporting people, it's helping get them to activities. It might be you know, help put a sweater on, do some one-on-one, mm-hmm. and then you can get training. And for the most part, this used to be something you paid for, but now with, um, you know, all, we're all looking for more workers, um, you can come and get trained while you're working. So you can get your CNA license. Oh. And now you can give personal assistance. So you can help with bathing, with toileting, with feeding, all with your CNA license. And then we now have, and again, these are things the government started to recognize we needed um, about 10 years ago, is that it's harder and harder to find nurses to give uh, give things like medications. So they've um, allowed another level. So between a, a, a CNA and an LPN is that there's medication nursing assistance, so MNAs. Oh. Um, that we can train, again, we can train them ourselves to give medication. So there's career growth. Um, so yeah. you're already up to three levels and these are all at your employer. But now you can give medications and um, which is such a nice thing to be able to do. And it's under nurse supervision, so it's very safe. Um, but it, you know, it, it meets the needs of the employee who wants to grow, um, the employer who wants to save a little bit of money and recognizes that there's less nurses that there, than there's been before. And we need nurses to do higher level tasks yeah. than pass medications. And so it's been a really nice evolution of recognizing um, employees need for growth, our need to delegate some tasks down. Um, and make sure we're using nurses to the top of their license. So yeah, so all of that comes with uh, yeah. no college needed. And then from there, you know, some some kids are, you know, 17, 18, and they start as a CNA. And then by the time they're like in their mid-20s, now they're ready to go for the LPN. Yeah. Yeah. And you can do that 
without having to get you know a very expensive degree and and again you can increase the type of care that you're giving within any kind of healthcare setting by getting your LPN your licensed uh, nurse uh, degree so um, it there's a lot of growth without having to get a very expensive um, college degree um, and you know again we could talk mm -hmm. about that in culinary services you could start as a dishwasher get yeah. all the way to executive chef you never mm -hmm. need a college degree Again, same with facilities, doing landscaping. These are all careers where you don't need a college degree, but you can become all the way to a director's position um, in a community like mine. Oh my gosh, awesome. And that was such a great tangent. That wasn't even on our outline, but look at that. I thought that was great. Um, can we talk about, um, we have like four or five minutes before we have to take our first break, if you can believe it, the first half hour always flies. Let's just talk about this, we were calling it I, like a movement that is aging in place. And that's really not a term... I can't remember hearing that term like more than five years ago, um, and certainly not more than ten years ago. But but you're in the industry really, and I and I'm not so much, other than the age of my clients, you know, aligns uh, a little bit or their parents. Um, so let's let's talk about that. I mean, and how and how the the preference regarding receiving care has really always been at home, but maybe wasn't as. Um, readily available home service weren't as as readily available i don't know a decade or so ago and and sort of the, now there's this whole movement to really cater to the wants of uh someone who's aging but also be able to provide what they need right and nursing homes and assisted livings have always provided what they need but maybe that's not always what people wanted right and and the 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 first thing that my clients always say to me when we're having the conversation about planning for aging or planning for potentially needing some long-term care is I'm not going anywhere, I'm staying at home, right? And that's what every, everyone says, of course. Um, but it seems like it's more, um, this movement is really helping that become more of a reality. Yes, absolutely. Aging in place is a, um, a term we really did start hearing probably about 10 years ago. And, you know, there's pluses and minuses to it. Um, it you know, I, I think it's, we always want to respect the desires of the people, uh, so the, the you know patients or residents or seniors, you know, depending on the setting they're in, they kind of get a different term. But yeah. um, you know, everyone you know wants something different. Some people really treasure the family home and don't want to leave it. Other people are looking for something that's a little more social and a little more communal. So staying mm -hmm. home, you know, doesn't always meet that need. Um, some people have a lot of family support, so staying at home is a possibility. Where if you don't have a lot of family support it can make more sense to move, but there's a lot, there's a lot that goes into it, but let's just spend a little bit of time on, on you know, what aging in place is. And, you know, at its kind of heart, it's, I wanna stay in my home and I wanna bring everything that I need to me. Yeah. And so if I need some personal care, I want an aide to come to me. If I need meals, again, comes to me, um, I can bring in things like someone to plow the driveway and to mow the lawn, um, all to support me in staying in my home. And if that's your goal, you you can recreate, um, a, let's say, independent living or assisted living experience in your home. And it you know it's generally more expensive because yeah. you don't have the benefit of spreading those costs over a, a group of hundreds of people. 
Um, but if that's something you can financially manage, something you can organize, and, and we could get back to this in, in a yeah, couple Yeah, I'm sorry. Got a I, bit more time. I opened up that conversation, and then Tim gave me the two-minute mark. I was like, yeah, oh, Laura needs like 10 problem. minutes no, for no, this no, one. We can jump right back um, we're it. just it's taking a quick break. You're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. I'm talking today with Laura Shea, CEO of Rivermead Retirement Community in Peterborough, New Hampshire. We're talking about aging in place and continuing care retirement communities. We'll be right back. This is Mike McNamara. If you're looking for a financial advisor, start by asking him or her three questions. Number one, are you a certified financial planner practitioner? Number two, are you legally held to a fiduciary standard of care for your clients? And number three, do you only give financial advice and not sell investment products? These are all simple yes-no questions. If he or she doesn't answer yes quickly and starts talking, that's a no, and it's time to move on to another advisor. And we're back. Good morning. You're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. I'm joined this morning by Miss um, Lara Shea, who's the CEO of Rivermead Retirement Community in uh, Peterborough, New Hampshire. Um, and I can't believe, I was just saying off air, we, we didn't even really get to our outline yet. We, we just are going to have so much to talk about this morning regarding um, elder care and aging in place and communities um, where seniors can go and, and live and, and thrive and receive the, the assistance that they need if, if applicable. Um, so thanks again for being here this morning. Um, and uh, right before the break, we started with, um, we need more time to flesh this out a little bit, but we started talking about the, the concept of, or the movement of aging in place and how that's really, um, uh, I don't know, if it's been a buzzword or something, it's, it's been a movement. I, you know, you were saying for about 10 years now, so um, I didn't mean to cut you off, but we had to take the break. So if you could just, you know, keep going with, with your thoughts on that and how the, really the, the industry of, um, of elder care is really Really changing yeah yeah it, it is you know the industry for in its you know kind of all of its history is you know we've built buildings and you come to us when you have mm. a need and today there's opportunities where people can stay at home the aging in place concept and we can bring those services to you and there's really like I was saying there's pluses and minuses there's the opportunity where um, uh, so, <laughs> There's an opportunity where, sorry, I got a little interruption there. There's an opportunity where um, people can, um, you know, bring things into their home that that they want to have to be able to um, stay and, you know, keep their family home and not move. And, you know, you you can recreate the service. um, But unfortunately, you know, it becomes more expensive when you do that. So it's an opportunity for some and it's not an opportunity for others. Um, Or there's the opportunity to move and you move to a facility and um, we're able to, um, you know, have everything in the community that you need from, you know, uh, socialization to care, meals, housekeeping. Um, So, but if people do want to age in place, there's a lot more companies now that are offering it. There's home health care that offers it. Um, We're even seeing a lot of technology um, companies move into the realm. You know, we, you know, before, if you couldn't drive any longer and you lived at home, well, it's pretty difficult to get things like meals. But now we have things like Uber and, you know, that makes it that much easier. And you don't think of it as necessarily an aging in place tool, but it really is. And, you know, we have telehealth where, again, if it's a little hard to get to doctor's appointments, 
um, you can do a lot of this at home and you can recreate a lot of these experiences. And we're seeing a lot of other technology companies uh, move into this space. So it's not exactly hmm. who we thought it would be. You know, our competition maybe over the years has been, I have a retirement community and another one is being built down the road um, so that would be the competition, you know, whether they move to mine or to the other one. But now it's things like, um, you know, an Apple Watch that can monitor for falls, oh, yeah. a camera system that can, you know, give the adult child the opportunity to make sure that mom's okay, which are, you know, a little bit more of our competition now if they decide to make a move. So you can delay a move a lot longer, hmm. too, if you really want to stay home. Um, you know, you can, you know, stay home with these tools where, you know, 10 or 15 years ago, it would have been a lot harder to make sure that someone had everything they needed and were safe and had these abilities to stay more independent with things like an Uber driver. So it really has um, changed a lot um, in, in that space um, to give people more opportunities. But I will say there are things you can't recreate in the home. And, you know, probably the biggest one and, you know, something, again, I think people found more value in when they lost it during the pandemic was socialization. And when you stay mm. at home, you you do get more isolated. And, you know, depression issues um, and isolation are a, a really big concern, uh, especially for seniors who, um, you know, they're seeing a lot of losses in this time of life. Yeah. It's every time in your life, there are things to celebrate, but there are also always challenges. And it's really important to recognize the challenge of isolation. So where aging in place can sound like a really nice term and it can work for a lot of people, there are also folks who may find it better to be in a communal setting um, because they'll be around their peers and mm. it, the experience is really normalized because lots of people around you are are aging and you're not feeling like the only one who's you know having you know pain in their hip or you know having mm. um, some medical issues that need attention and so there's camaraderie there and you you wake up and you open your door and there are people out there to to greet you and bring you anything you need um, and you know you're not eating dinner alone mm. and there's opportunities for trips. So it, it, neither's wrong, neither's right, neither's wrong. It's nice to have choice. Um, and I think what's nice about aging in place is that we're putting a lot more choice and opportunity out there for folks, um, but also recognizing that there is um, some benefits of communal living that we don't want people to quickly overlook. The other part about aging in place too is that um, it's a lot to organize, especially as care needs increase. Mm. Um, so, you know, when you're young and you don't have a lot of personal care needs, you can recreate, uh, you know, the aging at home is, is pretty easy to cr create. Someone comes and mows the lawn, someone comes and plows. Um, and, you know, you get your meals dropped off once a week. But when you start to need care throughout the day and it's not necessarily at set times a day, um, it gets harder and harder. You have to organize more people coming in and their schedules and their timing. So as care needs increase, it can become a little harder to coordinate and you need that adult child probably to do that coordination and they may be working, they may have family. So that might be the appropriate time to move is when you get to that more assisted living level of care that recreating that at home might now become a little too cumbersome. So you might have been able to skip the independent living uh, piece of living in a retirement community and move straight into assisted living. Um, but you know, these are complicated conversations. They're very mm -hmm. dynamic. 
every family situation is going to be different. Everyone's uh, entry point into senior care is a little bit different in how they get there and the support system they have. Some people have great families and, and lots of children and they can, um, you know, organize around mom or dad and make sure they have everything they need. And some people don't have any family. And so to yeah. navigate this at an older age when maybe your health is not the best gets more complicated. And of course, everything in between. So, um, and then of course we have the financial um, barriers to add on top of it. And, you know, we could spend several shows just talking about that because if you have a lot of financial resources you have lots of choices. And if you have less financial resources, you're left navigating a little bit more and having to look for opportunities. Um, and it, it can feel um, very challenging. And, and mm. if you're doing it on your own, especially, it can feel very confusing. Um, and oftentimes it's done at a time of crisis, which adds another layer of complication. Yeah. You know, it's um, I've just fallen or my mom's just fallen. She's in the hospital. She can't go home. And now we're trying to solve it pretty quick. Um, so you can see how quickly this really um, gets complicated. Um, and that's why it's nice to have these conversations where people can just at least learn about the industry, get to hear about it a little bit early, start to have some thoughts, know what the different products are, know what the different options are. And that will really help as you start to have to make some decisions that it's not the first time you're hearing it. Yeah, it's interesting what you said about the technology component and allowing people, technology being helpful and allowing people to age in place longer. I would have never connected those two, but such a such a great point there in terms of all the technology available. Um, and, you know, you mentioned earlier in the show about uh, very early in the show that the uh, your peers in the industry at the different retirement communities are very supportive of each other. Um, nice to hear and doesn't surprise me. It doesn't like it. It, it seems like there. Well, we, we, we know that this is a booming um, industry, right? The, uh, caring for the aging population, healthcare in general. But but because of the baby boomers and um, and the, and again, advances in medical technology, right? And people living long. We know that the, this um, components of healthcare in terms of caring for elders is is booming and is is anticipated to continue growing for quite some time, right? If the, the next decade or, or more, I tried to pull some quick statistics. Of course, I, I never really know what's accurate and, and which websites to trust, but you know, some crazy numbers regarding the number of. Um, seniors is going to double in the next 10, you know, 20 years or something like that, 25 years and how the, the, um, the home healthcare industry is an enormous industry worldwide and expected to grow at a very fast pace the next decade. Um, so it, and it doesn't seem like there's enough beds, right. And, and, and rooms for people. And, you know, there's, there's a whole housing crisis right now anyway, uh, in this area of the world. And, um, and, and I think it's no different in your, in the aging population in terms of housing available in, in uh, communities and things like that. So, um, but that's nice to know that they're supportive. And th th I guess what I mean is there's not a lot of competition, right? There's plenty of, there's plenty of business to go around in these retirement communities, right? Because there's plenty of uh, people that will take advantage as the population ages. Yeah, I think that is accurate. You know, there is, there's, 
plenty of consumers out there for the homes that are there. And, you know, we've seen a lot of growth in the mm. industry of um, more um, buildings being built. Um, it's it's interesting. Well, it's actually a really interesting time because you're seeing a lot more independent and assisted living being built. And at the same time, we're seeing nursing homes um, close yeah. and um, communities uh, shed their nursing home beds. Uh -huh. And so there's a little bit of both going on at the same time, growth on one side and shrinkage on the other. And I'll just really briefly say why that's really important. But uh, in most states and every state is different for assisted living. So, you know, depending on where you're hearing this, it, it could be a little different. Um, but independent living is, is a, a private pay product. Assisted living is generally private pay, but in some states you can use your Medicaid benefit for it. That would be Mass Health in Massachusetts. Um, and then nursing homes can either be private pay or can um, be Medicaid. And uh, like I said, Massachusetts, Mass Health would, would um, pay for that. Um, but what gets um, really complicated is as we shed nursing home beds, there's less opportunities for folks who are straight on Medicaid uh. and need an opportunity for a place to go, but but they've become hard to operate and the reimbursements are not great. So as the industry is growing, people who are operating these communities um, would prefer something that's a little bit more stable and a little less regulated. So they're gravitating towards independent and assisted living and away from nursing homes. And nursing homes are challenging too because it's generally a product that that people it's a it's um, a necessity but not something you necessarily want to move in. You're like I need it but I don't necessarily want it. So it's a product line that's becoming a little bit harder to continue to operate because if if you're a consumer with a choice, you're likely going to choose independent and assisted living over nursing home. So it's a really changing time for our industry hmm. um, for that, you know, physical, uh, you know, the, when we talk about bricks and mortar, it's it's really it's changing a lot. Um, and we see hmm. a lot more um, communities being built. We're seeing independent and assisted. So there's going to be plenty of beds, I think, in that space. But what where my concern tends to lie is for those folks who don't have the financial opportunity to afford independent or assisted living for more than a year or two. Um, what do we do when um, the baby boomers tax the system as they're going to? Um, they've had a great way of um, you know expanding and, and pushing our system to the brink as they, they've mm -hmm. done their whole way through their life experience. And so I think we're um, getting to a bit of a head where I don't know that we're going to mm. have enough um, opportunities for those who don't have the financial resources. So that's going to be something, you know, as a society and our governments are really going to have to focus on in the coming decades um, hmm. to make sure these folks are literally not left out in the street with nowhere to go. That's really interesting that you're bringing that up. I had read some articles about nursing homes uh, uh, closing or, uh, you know, enrollments are down. I wasn't sure if it was related to COVID. Well, I'm sure it's partially related to COVID, but also related to this, you know, shift or the movement of aging in place. But that's really interesting you're bringing that up. Um, and because in my conversations with clients, I, we generally at some point in the relationship as they age, you know, have some conversations about planning for that because, you know, I'm a planner and, and, and the potentially significant cost of, um, uh, cares, nobody wants to use the term long-term care, but <laughs> elder care services, uh, the potentially significant cost of that in someone's future, um, is something that I feel strongly and for most of my clients needs to be addressed at some point. But 
almost no one wants to plan for it. Um, they don't even want to have the conversation, number one, and they and very few of them want to take steps to actually plan for it via setting aside assets or or purchasing the insurance that can help. Uh, because when you say private pay, I'm assuming that's including proceeds from insurance. Um, yeah. And a lot, a lot of people um, will proceed with, you know, there's some legal steps that they can take to like, you know, sort of protect some of their assets, very common to protect the, you know, equity in their home so that uh, should they need to apply for mass health and have some assistance, et cetera, et cetera. So, so common for people to uh, plan in that regard, but not really plan otherwise. And um, so that's a little scary what you're talking about. And because I think a lot of people are sort of in the back of their heads, like banking on, well, I'll just, you know, uh, you know, uh, the state will step in and help me or, you know, uh, I've paid into my, my taxes for all these years and, and, and I'm not going to worry about it and that, you know, the state can help me. And, um, but if they're not going to have as many opportunities and there's literally not as many places for them to go 10, 20, 30 years from now, that's pretty scary. You know, it is scary, but I, I think it brings up such an important point is that we can't be scared to talk about it. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's like anything, not talking about it doesn't make it go away. And um, we are uncomfortable in this country talking about aging. And um, that is so unfortunate because we're all aging, literally every yeah. one of us, every yeah. minute of the day yeah. is aging. Yeah. And it's not, it's really not that scary, but it's hmm. a lot scarier if you're unprepared when you get there. So I'm so glad we're having this conversation today. And, you know, I hope people continue to have it. But there is a lot of assumption that the government's going to take care of folks. And we do have two programs. We have Medicare and Medicaid. And people um, are under the uh, the assumption that there is some benefit there for long-term care um, to take care of them in a senior living setting. And for the most part, there's not. Um, Medicare will briefly take care of you after an injury and after you come out of the hospital. But when I say brief, it's brief. So please don't yeah. think on Medicare in any kind of way of taking care of your long-term care. Medicaid, once you're financially um, able and you have you know, spent down to what your state requires, which is the, the bare minimum, it will pay for um, a, a double room in a nursing home. And generally that's not your goal, yeah. um, you know, is to live in that kind of setting. So, and you know, we, we really should save that for the most in need um, because there's gonna be a lot of those folks who are, are yeah. desperately in need of that setting. So most people should be trying to save something for these years. Um, and if you try to age in place at stay at home, that's an opportunity where it's, it, it can be to a point, the least expensive option it becomes the most expensive option over time because of the services you have to add. But that is one opportunity to save some money up front. Um, but then when you think about living in independent living or assisted living, and maybe we should spend a minute on what those two things are. Yeah, I've been meaning to get to that. I need yeah. some clarity regarding what the differences are. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. we'll get to that in just a, a second, um, <clears throat> uh, what they are. But, you know, when living in a senior living setting, a long-term setting becomes appropriate, um, you, you do need to save for that. And you need to have some pretty significant assets. Yeah. And most people will do that through the sale of a home. Um, and Alyssa, of course, would know a lot more about this than me. Um, but it's usually that major asset that you use at the end of your life to pay for those last few years of your life. And you really do want to have a plan because you're going to want to look at um, the right setting for you. And maybe now's a good time to just talk about what those are. Yeah. So 
Um, there's there's different opportunities, but um, you know, for the most part, there's independent living, assisted living, and nursing homes. And if you put them all together, you have a CCRC, Continuing Care Retirement Community. And a lot of those are um, kind of changing their name to life plan community. Okay, I've seen a lot of different terms. Term. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So either one, it's it's essentially the same thing. Now in those, there's different opportunities for for how you pay for them. But let me get to that just a second. Um, but let me just say, independent living, the the term is independent. Yeah. You know, you're living in a communal setting. You're getting meals, housekeeping. They're taking care of your maintenance. You're living with people all about your age. You know, the average age is probably somewhere around like 85. Um, some people are uh, really they're busy people. They're playing golf. Yeah. They're on boards. Some might have a part-time job. They're independent but they're living in a setting where everything's taken care of in independent living you also see people moving towards the other phase of life where they have walkers they have wheelchairs um they're independent in the sense that they don't need um care from an aid yet but you know they need to live somewhere communally communally so someone is watching over them and taking care of them and taking care of meals that's when you start to move to assisted living. You've exceeded what you can do in independent living and you're starting to need a little bit more supervision, reminders for meals, someone not to just cook your, your one meal a day in independent living, but you need all three meals a day. That would happen in assisted living. I need someone to assist me with taking a shower, with getting dressed. So that overall there's someone there all day, every day. And that's what assisted living is. And, um, you know, most people, once they move to assisted living, that's the final move. Um, it used okay. to be that it was very common to, at that point to later on move to nursing home. It's becoming less and less common for two reasons. Well, the nursing One, homes are all closing. Yeah. <laughs> we already talked nursing about that. Yeah. <laughs> Not all. But I will say kidding. it's yeah. it's mostly because people didn't want to move anymore. You know, it's yeah. like, I yeah. like my assisted living apartment. I like the people who are caring for me and I really don't want to move. And so um, the communities like mine just started bringing services to assisted oh. livings and the government has allowed it more and more, which mm. is wonderful. It's been a win, win, win. Everyone's happy. The homes are happy. The residents are happy. The government's happy. We're all happy. Okay. And so assisted livings are basically becoming where you spend your very last days and, you, and people pass away right in the assisted living setting. Now, on rare occasions, and this is to not talk about a financial reason, but from a care need, from a medical care need, there are rare occasions where going to a nursing home is the appropriate route. Someone needs more specialized medical care. Yes, a nursing home makes sense. But for the most part, most care needs can be done in the assisted living setting. Hmm. Now, and, and the only other way that someone might be just they have to go straight to a nursing home is because, again, they're on, on Medicaid, on MassHealth, and that's the only opportunity it will pay for. Okay. And so you might not get the opportunity for assisted living because it's just not a covered product. And so you have to go to nursing home care, even though assisted living might be perfect. And I wonder, I wonder if not, sorry to interrupt you, but I wonder if that will change as the government recognizes that, well, assisted living facilities are less expensive, right, than, than nursing homes. So I wonder if that will evolve. I, um, but I don't know that people should plan for that to evolve again. That comes back to the planning, right? But I wonder if it will yeah. in some small way evolve. Yeah, I would not bank on, yeah. I wouldn't plan for yeah. it. I do think it's something that we will likely recognize 
um, that basically nursing homes are a product that no one wants. Yeah. And, you know, assisted living is less expensive. Um, so I, I hope the government will recognize that and have that challenging conversation because it will be a challenging one. It's something that more people will want. And so there'll be an influx of people who will likely accept care. Uh, I'll delay moving to a nursing home because that's all you'll pay for. But if you'll offer, offer assisted living, like, oh, I'll yeah, take that. And yeah. there, there could be an influx. So it's it's a tough one. You know, none of these issues are simple. So I, I always have a lot of sympathy for our politicians because yeah. some of these things seem easy, but they're, they're really difficult yeah. uh, questions to grapple with. Yeah. Deci- decision making is some people call it power, right? But I think it's yeah. it's uh, often a burden. Uh, yeah, people in, often in, a burden. Yeah, and uh, if you don't mind, I'd love to go back to something you brought up about um, folks not wanting to talk about it, and mm-hmm. I'd love to hear from your perspective. You know, you know why people don't want to have that conversation with you, or when you bring it up from a financial standpoint, what what well, you end up hearing? Well, maybe you know. I- I I appreciate conversations like this and conversations with professionals like you because it gives me more clarity into the life and the experience. I don't have, and I will answer your question in a moment, um, but I don't have a very close personal experience with someone who has been in uh, a CCRC or a, or a really independent living, assisted living or nursing home. My mom passed last year, but she was not in um, a facility like that. It was more of a medical issue and, and a, a relatively fast uh, death. It's an awful thing to think about. But, um, but, but so I don't have a lot of personal experience, I guess is what I'm saying. So I appreciate the conversations with people like you. My, my point in bringing that up is um, my conversations with my clients are about just in general the possibility of of someone needing care in the future and i and i do generally use the term long-term care maybe i should steer away from that um so it's possible that i'm not um bringing up the conversation in the most gentle light (laughs) you know sometimes in my i talk about money all day long right and and we talk about planning for death and we talk about planning for uh, disability and long-term care and stuff like that and i can you know i'm just kind of very upfront and sometimes can be blunt and you know maybe i should work on my bedside manner when it comes to this conversation but um you know my the 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 way that i bring up the discussion is generally you know what's, you know, have you thought about a plan for if one of you is to need long-term care or have you looked into um, long-term care insurance? I think that's something you should look into. I think it's appropriate for you. So that's generally the way that I'm bringing up the conversation. And no matter which way of those two, maybe I need a third or a fourth, right? Maybe I need a suggestion from you, but um, the reaction is, you know, nobody's like, I don't want to talk about it, right? It's not like that. It's just kind of I, my my feeling is that un, unless someone has had a, a recent or a personal experience with like a parent that needed, you know, X type of care and, and the, uh, the assets were um, depleted quite quickly, right? Eight, 10, 12, $14,000 a month, right? Assets can be depleted quite quickly. Yeah. Unless someone has that personal experience, they generally don't... Um, you know, they listen to me, right? They're, they're my clients and most of them listen to me, but um, they don't always want to really even engage in the conversation. And everyone's kind of like, oh, you know, I looked into the insurance or I've heard about it. I heard it's expensive. Eh, it's not for me. I think people just, I don't know if they, they don't want to talk about it or they just don't think it's going to happen to them, right? It's the old, we're humans, right? We're, we're not going to 
die prematurely, you know, or nothing bad's ever going to happen, right? We're, we're, I think, in some ways in denial that this is going to quite possibly, like, it's going to happen to a lot of us. A, a, a large percentage of the population is going to need care in their future. Um, and, and what, I don't know, what's like two thirds, right? The statistics are pretty high. They are pretty high. Um, but I think it's just kind of largely like, I don't know, den denial, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I mean, some of my clients will entertain the conversation. And like I said, some of them will, you know, because largely because they've had a personal experience, but um, not otherwise. All right. We have to take a break, but we can continue on that. And, and um, maybe I need some help bringing that uh, topic up more delicately. Yeah, yeah, no, it's um, an important one. We'll talk about it. All right, we'll that. talk. You're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. Awesome conversation today about aging and, and assist, uh, living and the aging population um, with Lara Mead, who... <laughs> Mead. Lara Shea, who is the CEO of River Mead Retirement Communities in Peterborough, New Hampshire, and has a ton of experience um, in retirement communities and working with the aging population. So this has been a great conversation. We're just taking a break and we'll be back in just a few minutes.